Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Passes to Thomas. He's gone. Touchdown, Saints. Got a bunch of room and some blockers. Hurdling a blocker at the 25. Inside the 50. Throw Sanders got there. Touchdown. Football fans and hoodats all over the world, get ready for an episode of Believe in Saints on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Hendricks. And welcome back to another episode of Believe in Saints. I'm John Hendricks alongside Terrence Copper. And, and look, we've uh, we've taken a little bit of a, a break here, but we're back mm-hmm. now. And look, Terrence, you've had some fun things going on. Uh, you were at the, the coaching academy recently. So why don't you tell everybody about that? We kind of hinted into it on the pod that you got selected for it, nominated by mm-hmm. the Saints. So tell me a little bit about that experience and kind of what you learned from there. Oh, my goodness. When I tell you it was an amazing experience, I'm so thankful I had the opportunity to go. And it wasn't even it wasn't even about X's and O's. It wasn't about X's and O's, per se. It's really about how to how to build a culture, uh, how to relate to people, how to coach certain personalities. I learned so much about my personality. We took a disc test. Uh, that's one of those tests to, to kind of see your personality uh, uh, how different personalities react and how they do certain things and the demeanors of different personalities. And so we learned a lot about that, which was humbling because some of the stuff you learn about yourself is great, right? You're like, yeah, you know, I, I love that about my, about myself, but then certain things that, that comes out on that paper that you like, ah, uh, you know, it's true. You know, it's true. And it's like, but it's a flaw that you have, but it's, it's humbling, but it's things that you could take home and correct. But the amount of knowledge that we received, not just from uh, the coaches, uh, but just from different administrators that came in and was talking about different things when it comes to social media, when it comes just every, it was a well-rounded coaches academy that prepared you for everything that you're going to have to deal with and how to counter and how to deal with everything you, that you're going to have to deal with and go through whether it's how to go through a, uh, a interview when you're dealing, trying to get a job, you know, so it's, when I say it was amazing, it was amazing. The, the best thing that I liked about it, of course, all the speakers, uh, John Oliver was amazing. We got a chance to talk to the GM, the coach GM, and we got a chance to talk to the head coach of the Colts. When I tell you, and don't get me wrong, I've, I've been in organizations where you really get to know the coach as a person Uh, but to actually go into an organization where you don't know a coach you know you don't know who these coaches are you you know of them but you don't know them and for them to really open up to you just about life forget coaching forget the coaching side of things but they opened up about certain things in their life they got vulnerable uh, about certain things in their life and even one of the coaches even got emotional about things in their life. So just to get a chance to know and understand and listen to a coach outside of coach talk and just having a real conversation. And that's what the Academy was about. Just being authentic to yourself, being a real person, being exactly who you are, being authentic. Um, And it just did wonders to be able to see coaches in that light 
and to be able to sit down and converse with coaches uh, and but not just the speakers but I got a chance to to talk to the other college coaches that came as well you know uh, it's a great networking opportunity it was a great opportunity to have to gain a lot of knowledge uh, so to me that was one of the best experiences I've had when it came to my NFL career or just coaching career, just being able to get that knowledge and, and be around other coaches from different colleges all over the country, you know, and, and picking their brain on certain things of how they do things at their college and the things they go through the different obstacles they have to deal with from dealing from D3 to D2 to D1. We talked about the transfer portal. It was a ton of stuff that we went over. So I was just excited about it. And I'm very thankful. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Man, that's awesome. I, I think that you know, and, and I'm sure you're referencing Frank Wright, coach of the Cal, yep. the Colts. Mm-hmm. And so, look, I look, I grew up watching Frank Wright. I obviously you remember the Houston comeback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And some of those people that were were fortunate. That was the original twenty eight to three, right? I would tell you, yep. and um, <laughs> that was nuts back in the days when you had the Oilers and Bills and stuff and. Bills are a huge powerhouse, but man, that's awesome. Just being able to see him in that light. And that's kind of cool just because like, I, I remember when we talked to Sean, we had that little dinner uh, and he was just, you know, himself. And you could just see that, you know, outside of football, obviously you have to have, I don't want to say a persona, but you have to kind of have to have a, a mentality. Like you pretty much mm-hmm. have to walk on eggshells, just like these, these college athletes at the scouting combine right now. I mean, you're pretty much having to watch everything you do, everything you say, everything mm-hmm. you eat. I mean, cause all eyes are on you right now, but yep. man, just to see them in that light and, and just to be able to talk. And I think the biggest thing you said is to be real and to get yep. real and to talk because, you know, let's face it. when you talk about the NFL, that's always the dream. And there are so many talented athletes or athletes in general from different schools. Not everybody's going to make it. Right. And so, right. I mean, there's only so many spots and, you know, you think about it now, practice squads are up to almost 16. I think now, if they don't mm-hmm. change it again before it was only eight and then there's 10 yes. and, and all that. So, I mean, and there's only 53 roster spots. So it's just one of those, it's <laughs> like you have all these talents and all these things. And I think that's cool about the USFL coming and, you know, the HBCU combine and the, the mm-hmm. all-star games and stuff, just being able to bring more of a light to, to football because, you know, and I was excited for the XFL when it came or even the AAF and such. And so I like seeing those types of development leagues you know, take flight, but, you know, unfortunately some of them didn't work. And I think there's a lot of pressure on the USFL coming up, but man, what an opportunity and what a, what a blessing to be able to serve in a part of that and, and such. And, and obviously stuff is keep going with your Academy as well. How's things going over there? Uh, it's going great right now. We are, so we do speed and agility and strength training year round. Uh, uh, we train for pro days. We also train for the combine. Uh, so uh, not just that, but we also have basketball leagues that we do. We train for basketball. We have basketball trainers, very well-qualified basketball trainers that train for basketball. Uh, right now, we just started our 707 season. Uh, we just had our first practice 
on we just had first practice Tuesday. Uh, right now we're not out in the field. We do a lot of classroom work first. So I treat it a lot like, you know, when I played, when I played in the NFL, you know, we don't just go outside and just start practicing. You know, we are upstairs. We watch video. We watch film. We watch. Uh, we actually go over our our uh, our offensive playbook step by step, the same way Coach Payton used to do with us, the same way, and break down the details of it, how we want this thing to work, and whatever coverage it is that we're going to adjust it and have the quarterback look in certain areas. So we really treat it and run it like an NFL program via seven on seven. You know, so uh, I'm excited about the 707 season. So that's what we have going on here. Nice. Good, good. Well, that's good. And I hope it keeps going. I know I see a lot of the seven on seven stuff, and I think it's a great opportunity to connect with the youths and, and learn mm-hmm. them and a little bit like that. So it's definitely awesome. As far as the Saints go, I mean, look, you know, it, it seems like it was only yesterday that Peyton was there and then you had the whirlwind. You got the, the Allen, Dennis Allen being selected as head coach. And then you've got him filling out a staff. So you kind of have that. They brought in a new wide receivers coach from Tennessee, Cody Burns. They bring mm-hmm. back Doug Marone. They bring back, uh, you know, a couple of guys and obviously move on from different team, or, you know, coaches that have been there for a while. And so that's kind of taken shape. And then you also have the team playing a game. It's confirmed they're going to be playing in London in 2022. I think that's super exciting. Obviously, they're oh, yeah. be giving up a home game. And I know people are like, man, giving up a home game and, uh, but this is all part of the, the plan with the NFL adding a 17th game on the schedule that everybody's going to have a turn in this. But Saints, they're, they're drawing the uh, – I don't say short straw, but they're definitely drawing the straws here. And, look, I think it's a great opportunity, and, and they're obviously getting under the cap. But, you know, maybe just a couple things. We talked about London before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you're experienced yep. here. But that's exciting <laughs> in itself. And, um, you know, I kind of shared something too on it. But, you know <laughs> – that's exciting, but man, new coaching staff—not not really new—but some people are going to have different responsibilities. But just kind of maybe some of your thoughts. Uh, I know what Curtis Johnson meant to you and means to you, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure he's going to be back on his feet, no, no to- uh, problem. But just the decision to kind of inject some different perspectives in, in in this Saints team now that Sean Payton's out of the picture. You know, I think that he did a good job with that. Um, of course, there's some coaches that, that I love, and I wish they could have stayed there, but like those are good coaches. They're going to land on their feet. And I'm, I'm quite sure they understand in the coaching profession, you know, there's going to be some turnaround. There's going to be some turnover when it comes to hiring and firing. So uh, I think that's just part of it. I think you go into coaching, understanding that, of course, you go into coaching, wanting to coach a team forever and be with an organization forever. But you understand that's not, that's not the logistics of how it really is going to go for everybody. You know, so I think the coaches that that got fired or was released, you know, I think they they land on their feet somewhere because they were good coaches. But bringing in new blood, bringing in new coaches, I think that's a good thing. Uh, change is not always bad, you know, and a lot of times, you know, change is a good thing, especially when you have a good head coach that's in place and, and he's bringing in some 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 very uh, talented coaches that naturally know what they're doing uh so i'm excited about the season even though we're not it's gonna be some it's gonna be some new faces in the building when it comes to coaching you know but i'm still excited about what the saints are going to do this year i think change is is good i don't think change is bad uh and i still think we're going to be moving in the right direction 
Yeah, and even the details in the minutiae, I mean, because they let Dan Dalrymple go, and he's been there since 2006, right, strength and conditioning mm-hmm. coach. But yep. they bring in Alabama's Matt Rhea, and the thing is he's more of a – well, I'm not saying more of a, but he's an expert in sports science and such. And so, you know, one of the things that stood out to me in, in looking at him is his first year there, Alabama's soft tissue injuries, they said, was down 50%. And, I mean, wow. you know, it's the NFL – soft tissue injuries are pretty common. Right. And so it's just Very. one of those things where, you know, even if you bring something like that to the table, whether it's through different rehab, different types of things to work your body, you know, he had a, a really great things to say about working with Nick Saban, you know, again, it was never argumentative type thing or anything like that. It was, well, the data says, or the science says he was open to hearing about it. And I think that's where Dennis Allen's going to be. But, you know, again, those one of those things where you look at a team that had 58 different starters last year. And now a lot of that wasn't necessarily because of COVID or anything like that, but they also had some players that had setbacks too. I mean, there's this just one of those things in the NFL where, you know, there's so much pressure, I think on some of these players that, Hey, I got to get back in the lineup as quickly as possible. Maybe mm-hmm. never fully rehab that injury or if they go too hard or something like that. I mean, you know, obviously they want to be out there on the field with their teammates. Right. And I mean, nobody's going to deny that, but you know, mm-hmm. something as simple as that, that that speaks volumes and could really help this team down the stretch. Oh, that is huge. I remember when I played for the Cowboys, uh, one thing Coach Parcells used to always say, you can't help the club in the tub. That was one of his <laughs> his main uh, hit homes when he's talking to guys when they're injured. Like, you can't help the club when you're in the tub. And like, And what he's saying is you can't help the team if you're always injured. So bringing in a guy like this from Alabama that that knows his stuff um, and not saying uh, Coach Dan didn't know his stuff, not saying that at all, but, you know, times is changing and, and we have to do it. We have to evolve with the times. And so to bring a guy in like that to help guys, for one, prevent from getting injuries. And if they are getting injured, you know, going to different going about it different ways when it comes to their rehab to get them back on the field quicker, you know, that's huge. That's huge. Cause like you said, we had a ton of injuries this year, you know, so if we can eliminate uh, half of that or get half of those guys back quicker, you know, that's going to allow us to have more success on the football field. So again, that's another change that not saying that coach Dan did a bad job at all, but again, it's just change and change is not always bad. And I think this is a good change. Absolutely. And I mean, again, we'll see it only time's going to tell. Right. And I just obviously it, everything's going to be in hindsight. Everybody's a thing. Well, well, if you did this, or if you did that, well, yeah, it's easy to say when the whole season's been played or things happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, this is a pivotal year for New Orleans because, again, they ha- they believe they have a roster that can still compete. And defensively, that would be supportive of that. And, uh, you know, of that statement. And obviously, this defense that they had, even if they have everybody come back, things are going to change. Things are going to be different. You got different opponents, different types of offensive attacks and the ways they want to go at you. So, you know, you're going to have to have that learning curve still, but again, the pieces are there defensively to help them. And then I think that's just why you got to put more attention on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, again, you got new ideas, new talent. I think Doug Marone is a guy that can help you know, offensive line prospects like Cesar Ruiz and kind of help figure out his game, maybe make Andres Pete better. Um, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on Teron Armstead and, and if they're going to keep him at left tackle, you've got to upgrade these wide receivers. You can't have Michael Thomas just do it alone. And again, there's mm-hmm. just so many things that 
again, most of the attention was on this offensive side of the ball. And let me get your idea and perspective again, because, I mean, you're more offensive-minded, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. co-defensive coordinators with Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen. And obviously Dennis Allen's already said, he said in his press conference, that he was going to still handle the play call duties. Some people say, I don't think this co-defensive coordinator thing can work or co-anything. What do you make of that? Uh, you know what? That's a great question uh, because I've never heard of a co-defensive coordinator. I never heard of it before. Uh, this is my first time uh, when it was announced. That was my first time hearing about it. Uh, I never heard it before. You know, so I don't know how that's going to work. Hopefully everything works out great. It works out great. But my question is, what happens when it's not going good? Or if it doesn't go good, who gets the blame for that? You know, which defensive coordinator is going to get the blame for it? Uh, Will Coach Allen, would he still be, you know, would he put the pressure on him, even though he's doing the play calling? I just don't, I, and I don't know if if it's just a title, if it's just a title that those coaches wanted, uh, you know, to come to the program. I don't know. You just you just have no idea. You know, sometimes coaches they 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 come on board and they understand what their role is, but they want a certain title. You know, so you just you just don't know. I don't know. I never heard of it before, uh, but I'm quite sure uh, New Orleans they know exactly what they're doing. So I, I trust that they know what they're doing. I trust the coaches staff know what they're doing and, and administration know what they're doing. So, you know, I, but I never heard of it. So I, I really can't have a, a ton of comment on it, but I'm just, I'm just anxious to see how it's going to work. Yeah. And they're still going to handle their specific discipline. So, I mean, Nielsen's still going to be over the D line and Richard's going to still handle the secondary. So, I mean, look, you know, it's, they're still going to have their individual assignments. I, you know, for me, I think obviously Nielsen was already assistant head coach. So you give uh, him a, an extra title. And I think he's somebody that's going to be in line for, you know, to get some more attention as a potential coach in, in the league. Uh, and Richard mm-hmm. was a guy that, you know, Steelers, Ravens, a couple other teams were interested in him as their defensive coordinator. So again, this guy was a defensive coordinator, you know, uh, with, with the Seahawks and then had uh, some good success in Dallas. And so I think he's a guy that's, going to have his time come sooner rather than later. And so, again, I don't think it's a bad thing. And it's one of those things where I, I, I'm of the belief, I, I tell you, it'll work until it doesn't, right? And I still think right. Jay's going to handle the primary stuff. I think, you know, Nielsen and Richard is going to be the the two primary guys that talk to him and just kind of give their ideas, things that they see. But that's, that's kind of normal things in a football game. But, you know, now it's a chance for on the flip side of the ball, Pete Carmichael's time to shine. You know, we didn't think uh, at first he didn't seem like he wanted the offensive coordinator role. They interview a couple of of, of people for that role, but now it's Pete's show. Um, You know, talk to me because Pete's Pete's kind of one of those guys. He's kind of, I wouldn't say quiet reserve, but I I don't know. Tell me a little bit about your time with him and just, you know, what he brings to the table and, you know, what people on the surface fans might not understand about Pete Carmichael. Uh, for one, uh, my time, like he's been there since since I've been there, you know, and for one, he's always been very attentive when it comes to the offense. Uh, when I say attentive, I'm talking about whatever Coach Payton was coaching, he was right there. So when I tell you, I'm excited for him to get the offensive coordinator job 
because I feel like it's his time. I think he's ready. Uh, the players respect him. He again, like you said, he was he's more on the quiet side. He's not very outspoken. Uh, from when I was there, that may have changed. I, I'm not sure, but from when I was there, he's not so much outspoken. But he knows his stuff, and when and when everything hit the fan and Coach Payton was leaving, I was really hoping that that Pete steps up or he get the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator because that offense is not going to miss a beat. As long as we have the talent, the offense will not miss a beat with Pete running uh, running the offensive show. It's not going to miss anything. He's been there since I was I was there my first year. There was 06. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so, so he's been there forever. And he's been right up under Coach Sean Payton and understanding the terminology, understanding the details, and really being a student of the game uh, under Coach Payton. And if and if you have any assistant coach out there that you're looking to hire as an offensive coordinator, why wouldn't it be Pete? Like his resume and the fact that he has all this experience under Coach Payton the entire time, who is an offensive guru, and he's been right there, his right-hand man, uh, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, why wouldn't you want him to be the offensive coordinator? I'm telling you. He's going to surprise a lot of people. If, he might not surprise anybody because I think a lot of people understand, you know, his where he's coming from, his background. But for the people that don't know Pete, he's going to surprise a lot of people with his offense and not just the stuff that Coach Payton ran. I'm sure he has his own philosophy and his own, the own, his own things that he want to incorporate into that offense. So that's what I'm excited about for Coach Pete to finally get his opportunity to really run the show. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do. No doubt. And look, I think this is the biggest thing, you know, because everybody remembers this is a guy who, when Peyton was out, he put up 62 points on the Colts. He did a great job in 2012, obviously had Drew Brees, but this guy comes out and he puts 30, 40 points up on the board in the first two games or something like that. One of the first two games, nobody cares, right? They just want everything <laughs> to go like it normal. If you put points yeah. up on the board, that's all that matters. If it works, it works, <laughs> you know? And so it was hard to lose or to watch a lot of the offense last year and, Again, some of it was limitations with a lot of things. Whether it was offensive line, the receiving department, whether it was, you know, play calls, whatever the case may be, quarterback inconsistency. I mean, you can name it. But, uh, you know, look, this year they're going to have to figure out and get their quarterback situation resolved. The way the market's shaping out, I really think it's it's down to two two players because I don't know, I don't see Aaron Rodgers being traded. And that's the thing is everybody dangled these carrots in the beginning of the offseason or at the end of the year. Maybe Kyler Murray is going to get traded. Maybe Kirk Cousins is going to be traded. Maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe it's Derek Carr. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Russell Wilson. But right now, the way things are shaping up and what we're getting truth, this team could very well re-sign Jameis Winston and be happy about it. Or if you look at free agency, that guy might be Teddy Bridgewater. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You know what? I think Teddy Bridgewater will fit in the offense. I think he would. But I and I still think I think the jury is still out on Winston. I think I think the jury is still out. Uh, for one, I would like to see. I would like to know how he's going to come back after his injury. Uh, but we can't forget, you know, Jameis Winston was a high level quarterback. He was a first rounder when he came out of Florida State, and when he went to Tampa Bay, he put up a ton of numbers, but he also put up a ton of interceptions. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you and you can't, I can't just, I'm not just going to say just lightly 
don't look at interceptions because that's huge when it comes to winning games. But if you look at his numbers, he's capable and he's able of running your offense. You know, so I don't know which way we're going to go with it. I guess it's, it's really going to come down to, you know, which quarterback is, you know, I think between those two guys, I don't think either one of them would break the bank when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, I think they're good quarterbacks, but I don't think that they're quarterbacks that you have to pay a ton of money to keep them. Like you have to pay a, a Rodgers or a Drew Brees, that type of money status when it comes to financial part of it, which I don't know that side of it. But I'm, when I look at quarterback play, I don't see those two guys as those type caliber quarterbacks where you have to pay a ton of money uh, because of what they're doing in the field. So I think either way, if you go either one of those quarterbacks, I think it will be it'll still be good for the program. I think both of those guys are able to run that offense. But I'm going to tell you who I really hope we can get our hands on. Uh, and I, I, I brought this up before, and he has a lot of off-the-field issues going on. But hopefully all that stuff get cleared up here with the next month or so. But Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if we could get Deshaun Watson, if, he, if this off-the-field stuff get cleared up and we, get, and we can get a chance to get him, I think that is a total – game changer total game changer for one he has feet he can run the ball with his feet he can use his legs uh, but he's not necessarily just a running quarterback you know he uses his legs for when he need to use his legs but he can sit in the pocket and pick your part in the pocket and he's just a winner and he's young he's young and he had a whole year off you yep. know so i feel like if we land him I think that's a total game changer. And that's not taking anything away from, from Bridgewater or Winston. That's not taking anything away from them. But Deshaun Watson is, to me, is a totally different player. And I think that he is a real game changer if, you know, the off the field stuff clears up and, we, and we're able to get a chance to get him, if we're able to get him. Yeah, and look, you even had Miami come out yesterday and said that they weren't going to pursue him. So – Either they know something we don't or something. But, I mean, again, it's just bizarre that we're <laughs> over a year after all of this and it's still not resolved. And, you know, if you're New Orleans, I don't know if you can sit there and wait and take a chance on that. And even if you do get him, you know, is he going to face any league discipline? That's the other part of it. But, look, I think if you can make a play for him, you got to. And, and I don't know very well. Obviously, the things in the front office are one thing. We've seen some of the things get mended, like again with the Kyler Murray situation. Maybe with Lovey Smith as a quarter or the coach now, maybe you get a little bit of that resolved. And I, but I just don't know if Watson ever plays again for the Texans personally. But you know, again, they're paying this man a lot of money not to play, and so yeah. this is it's just kind of crazy. And the Saints, money wise, I'm glad you cut, touched on that. Is is the fact you know the cap everybody blows this out of a proportion. I mean, every single season, everybody's like, well, the saints are X amount of dollars over the cap. I can't believe the bills finally come due, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were 76 million over, right? 208.2 million is the cap in three moves, three restructures between three players. You know, you have Michael Thomas, Ryan Ramchek and Andres Pete. They slash 45% of that deficit. So now wow. they're only 33 million <laughs> over and they slashed 45% of it just by three players. So it's just like, 
man, look, I, I, I love salary cap Twitter, but it, you stop, stop. You know, the Saints <laughs> have been doing this for years. They use different tactics, whether it's voidable years, they do, you know, convert the, the bonuses, uh, convert base salaries. I mean, it's all in the belief that this team believes that they're in a position to win. And so, uh, again, you brought up the Winston Bridgewater. I think they would be, you know, friendly deals. I think you Watson, even you fit that under the contract cap and that's not an issue, but it begs the question and, and still says, you got to figure out because Teron Armstead, if you can't get him back in the building and then I love Teron, I think he's great at left tackle when he's healthy. And of course there's that caveat when he's healthy. Right. And mm-hmm. but that's going to be a $13 million dead cap charge against the team. And, you know, again, you potentially could roll the veteran James Hurst over there at left tackle and just have him there. And that could potentially be a solution, but you're going to have to invest, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. to invest in some better cap pass catching options. You know, Michael Thomas alone is not going to come back and fix this receiving core. Right. Nope. And nope. you and I talked about some of the things you saw with Marquez Callaway during the season and some of his routes and different things. And you, you, you literally said, that's not something you can fix in the season. Right. You have to use the right. offseason to do it and stuff. And so I think Callaway can be better, but you bring in a free agent guy like a Michael Gallup from Dallas, or if you can swing for the fences, a Chris Godwin. I mean, Allen Robinson, a guy from the Bears who's looking to get his career back on track after Chicago uses the franchise tag on him. And they might as well just took 18 million and just set it on fire. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. use him at all. Right. And right. I think you get that and then you double down and get in the draft or and look at other options. You know, Kyle Rudolph, a tight end option from the Giants, he's going to be available um, now that he just got released. I mean, there is no excuse for this team to get better on offense. And I don't think money is the reason to get them stopped. I think it's more the uncertainty of who the quarterback is. And now Sean Payton's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And and I agree with you. Uh, like I said, I think receiver wise, I think they're going to with, with Mr. Ireland and uh, Mr. Loomis, they're going to do a great job of finding the guys they need to get in the building. Uh, and, and they're going to have guys in the building that are, like I got to talk to you about before with the coaching that are good kids that are good people first. And then, you know, we're going to look at the talent. So they're, they're going to, I'm not worrying about the receiving core. I'm not worried about the offense truthfully. Cause I think the saints have the right guys in position to make the right decisions. So uh, I'm just excited the way they go with it. Uh, that's what I'm excited to see. I think uh, with, with some of the guys coming back, um, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. We, we definitely need some pieces at the receiver position. We need pieces, but I think we got the right guys to make the right decisions. Yeah, I agree. And Kai Harley, Mickey Loomis, they've been doing it a while. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out this cap situation. That's not an issue. And again, they, they don't have to cut anybody. I mean, the only one they can really cut and save money is Bradley Roby, who they traded for and got. And, and if they release him, they pick up 10 million. But you know, I'm not so sure that you don't keep Roby around because you saw what happened last offseason in training camp is, you know, Patrick Robinson retires, Ken Crawley got hurt, then you had to trade for Roby, and then you weren't sure about Paulson and Debo, and Adebo looks like the guy who can be that number two corner consistently, but they like to rotate him and Roby on the field, and I don't think that was a bad thing or by mistake, and so I think he could stay around too, but you know, again, there's a lot of things, and the, the new season's March 16th, we're less than two weeks away already, and so, you know, in two weeks when we record, we're going to be talking about free agency craziness, right? And the Saints have, <laughs> right. This, have that. I mean, it's just 
we're already going to be in the new season and the USFL is around, but it's still a definite, uh, interesting time across the league. And look, speaking of interest, look, I, I want to run this by you and talk to you about this, obviously mm-hmm. stuff with the Miami dolphins, right? Chris mm-hmm. Greer apparently called the saints, uh, to gauge some interest about Sean Payton, uh, before they hired Mike McDaniel, obviously want to include that caveat. He gets it to Jeff Ireland, according to the reports, and Ireland runs up the flagpole to Mickey Loomis, and Loomis had a two-word response for him, reportedly saying, don't bother. <laughs> crazy <laughs> to me, crazy to me. Again, I can understand because teams doing due diligence, but crazy to me that a team, whether they feel they're desperate or whatever the case may be, that would reach out to Sean Payton or reach out to ask about Sean Payton, because, again, Saints still have his rights and they'd be entitled to compensation – if they moved him, but crazy me, that would even come up. But, you know, do you think that speaks of desperation or because of everything else that's going on with Miami and Brian Flores and all that other stuff? Or is it more of a, man, we just don't want to leave any stone unturned. You know, I think it is, it could be a little bit of both, you know, so I, I got to take my hat off to the Miami Dolphins for even trying to get coach Payton or inquiring about coach Payton. Because a lot of teams wouldn't do that. You know, a lot of teams wouldn't do it. But I, So I take my hat off for them for uh, what they say, leaving no rock unturned, no stern un- unturned. So at least I can, uh, you can appreciate them still asking because you don't get one or two, one or two answers, uh, yes or no. You know, so you can appreciate them doing that. But I also can appreciate New Orleans Saints just saying no. <laughs> you know, yeah. not even getting into a bunch of just saying no. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, so I can appreciate both sides of how they handled it. And I think that's exactly the way it should have got handled, you know, so on both sides, I'm going to ask if I'm, if I'm in, if I'm in uh, Miami and I need a coach and a coach Peyton is open, you know, he's not coaching anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to turn that stone and ask new Orleans about, can I get coach Peyton or even talk about negotiation about him? But also, if I'm the Saints, I'm going to do exactly what they said. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not even negotiating with you. I'm not, we're not talking about it. You know, yeah. I'm not going to allow my franchise Hall of Fame coach that we still have rights to, to go to another team. And we still have his rights. I'm not doing that. You know, so, I mean, I, you can appreciate both sides. Uh, so I think it, it was a little bit of, you know, they just want to check all boxes. But also, I feel like it is some desperation there because of what they was going through and what they're going through no doubt no doubt and again only time will tell because you know sean's most likely i mean not most likely he's going into broadcasting whether that's fox or amazon that remains to be seen but he's going to do that and again you go up into the booth you're getting paid a lot of money right you know to do it i don't know if there's a situation where he comes back to coaching you know what i mean i i see i just remember bill cower and tony dungy and guys like that it just you know, it's hard because you're going and not that broadcasting isn't hard work. I mean, it is, but you know, you talk about Sean's stories of literally having a cot set up and sleeping at the at the building, you know what I mean? Because they're working that much. I mean, you figure what a 5 a.m. to you know, seven, eight o'clock day, you know, at night, you know what I mean? Like that takes mm-hmm. a toll on you. And he's got kids and and obviously wants to be there for Connor and Megan and his wife. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot that weighs on him. So I'm not so sure that we see him back coaching a, a team on the sidelines but again it'll be interesting but this this year 2022 he will not be coaching 
I know some people thought it might happen or not, but even beyond 2022, you know, <clears throat> the Saints are still going to be entitled to compensation if that happens. But again, you know, it's just crazy how fast things just turn into a wildfire because he, he's like, I'm stepping down. Okay, cool. We fill out the coaching staff and people are still calling, figuring out as they have coach openings and just going to never stop. Right. And maybe he'll be linked to Dallas by week 10 of the season or something, depending <laughs> on what happens with Mike McCarthy. But, you know, we'll just see what happens in those opportunities. But, you know, always never a dull moment with the Saints team. And, um, you know, again, free agencies right around the corner. They got to make a big decision here in the next several days, whether they're going to try to franchise tag Marcus Williams again. I know they're still trying to get a long-term deal done that way. But again, he's one of those guys where you have a March 8th deadline and you got to have to figure those things out. And so hopefully it comes together for him. He's extremely valuable to secondary. I think there's a way they can make this work, but obviously they both have to see eye to eye on the contract talks, but you know, we'll see how it comes about. And still, again, the most important thing, they got to figure out the quarterback situation. Definitely. I think that is hands down the most important thing at this moment. Uh, I think just the offensive side of the ball, you know, receivers, but definitely that quarterback position. Because at the end of the day, every to me, offensively, everything is run, run through that quarterback. I've been on teams that had great quarterbacks and also been on teams that, didn't have really great quarterbacks and it's a big difference it is a big difference with the team just that one position can change the outlook and the outcome of an entire team an entire organization you know so you got to get you a quarterback that is the most important position on the field besides like the head coach and then your coordinators and different things like that but that quarterback position is vital to having a good season. Yep. And we'll get our answers soon enough. So um, it's an exciting time. I'm sure between now and next week, we're going to learn even more scouting combines going on right now. And Indy, obviously it's funny because I'm seeing all these things made about uh, quarterback's hands. Kenny Pickett, his, his hands were what, eight and a half <laughs> inches or something. And everybody's <laughs> making a big deal. Like, I guess this guy can't throw a football or do anything because his hands are too small. But I, I you know, I, again, it's a whole, <laughs> Short quarterback syndrome, like people talking about Murray, he's not a good quarterback because he's short, or Drew Brees because he's not over six feet. You know, it's just a lot of nonsense. And I guess it's just that time people miss football and uh, USFL can't come back fast enough. <laughs> That's what I would true. say. True. <laughs> That's yeah. so true. But Terrence, anything else going on uh, besides the academy that you want to plug or anything before we get out of here? Uh, nothing at all. Just go Saints. Yep, we'll see how it goes and transpires. Um, you know, Dennis Allen will talk a little bit sometime this week with the Combine. We'll get some thoughts from them, and we'll be back next week and talk a little bit more about the Saints team and see maybe more of how they've come to shape and, uh, and such. But until then, I'm John Hendricks. On behalf of Terrence Copper, we thank Ben Online for producing today's show. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.